everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. We appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors. Thank you all for coming to Murrayville and uh, choosing this as your place of worship this morning. Pray that while you're here, that Jesus Christ will meet every need that you've got. So let's all stand. We want to open in prayer. We appreciate those who are tuning in by way of broadcast and pray that they'll be blessed through this broadcast. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Warren Vickers is going to open us. Let's pray. Father, we sure do thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for another opportunity, another chance to come out and worship you. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you'd show up here this morning, Father. We sure are needy people. And Father, we need you here this morning. We pray that you'd be in the singing. And Father, you be in the preaching. And Lord, we pray that you give the man what we need to hear this hour. And Father, help us put the world to the side for just a few moments. And Lord, just uh, focus in on you. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, Father, we pray today would be the day that they would gloriously get saved. Father, we sure do love you. Thank you for being so good to us. And Lord, always forgive us where we fail you. Again, one more time, I want to tell you how much I love you and thank you. For it's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Remain standing, page 78.
remain standing, page 269.
to page 45, Brother Warren.
windshield while the choir comes down. If you have any tithes and offerings, you can bring them at this time. this morning say amen. amen amen we appreciate all of you being here appreciate our visitors for coming today's a special day at at the end of this service we're going to be having a baptism we've had two get saved just recently bailey and lexi and we're going to baptize them amen looking forward to that i'm going to put them under and help wait till the last bubble comes out then i'll pull them up amen Amen. Good to see every one of you. We appreciate all of you being here. Uh, as far as announcements go, the only main announcement that we've got right now is that uh, Brother Bud Stiltner will be in next Sunday. Uh, if you've not heard Brother Bud, how many of you here has heard Brother Bud Stiltner preach? Amen. Most of you here. Brother Bud is a true blessing. He's a true man of God, and he'll be bringing what we need to hear while... He's with us. He'll be in morning and night service. That'll be at 1045 and then 5 o'clock that afternoon. So be praying for that meeting. For the world that's lost in darkness, for the saint who's gone astray, for the sinner blind by searching, for the child in need of faith, for the homeless. <laughs>
outside there is a remedy, and His name is Jesus Christ. For the bitter. Discouraged and dismayed For the mocked and persecuted For the battered and the wrong For the scared and the wounded For the weak and for the strong There is a remedy For every sin-sake soul Jesus Christ. Well, aren't you thankful there's some young people to get up for Jesus? Amen. Good singing, good, good, good this morning. It's a blessing to have Charles Hard in the congregation with us this morning. He's uh, been working on our, at our house. I promise you, if you call him to your house, he'll tear it up. He's, he's good at that. Uh, no, Charles has been working at our house, remodeling it. He's a real estate agent. And he's, he's one of the best tile men that I've ever seen. He's meticulous in the way that he works. And if you need any work like that done, you get hold of Charles Hard. He'll be sure to do you a great job. Amen. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. I'll tell you something else about Charles. He's a man of his word. If he tells you he'll be there, he'll be there. But not like a lot of them today. Amen. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Luke chapter 23 this morning. Luke 23, when you find that portion of scripture, if you'll stand. Huh? Well, that was a test to see if y'all paying attention. See? See, I've got some in here that was listening to me. Luke chapter 23. That's what I said. Luke chapter 23, <clears throat> Luke chapter 23, I do appreciate all of you being here this morning and I pray that, that uh, this service will be a real blessing to you and a help. Luke chapter 23, I want to preach a message this morning I simply entitle with a simple thought, listening to Calvary. Listening 
to Calvary. And we'll begin in verse number 33 of Luke 23. Verse number 33. When you've, if you found your place, say amen. 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 And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him. That name, that word just simply means to laugh at with contempt, to make sport and fun of, to ridicule. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. I want us to go back to verse number 34 and read that portion of text again for our thought for the morning. Listening to Calvary, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we are a blessed people and we thankful, Lord, to be able to come, uh, Lord, to this, this time, uh, Lord, of preaching the Word of God. And Lord God, I cannot do this without you. I need the help of heaven. And I'm asking God that you please enable me and endue me with the power that is from on high. May I truly be used of you this morning, Lord, to reach people's hearts and to preach the Word of God. Lord, please touch every person that's, that's just set aside this time. Lord, they're here for a reason. They're here, Lord, by the divine providence of God. I believe that with all of my heart. So God, please speak to us now. And Lord, use this service for your will and your purpose we're thankful for everything that you'll do. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. There are three men hanging on three separate crosses on this day. Two of these men were guilty of horrible crimes. They'd been found guilty of these crimes in the Roman government. They'd been beaten and now they both hang in shame upon this hill called Calvary. The sentence they received was the sentence of death by crucifixion, which that is a message all in itself. Crucifixion was a horrible way of punishment and death for whoever hung there. In the middle of these two men hung another man. There's no doubt who this one is. He's Jesus Christ. The custom of Roman crucifixion back in those days was to put a signboard over the cross of the one that hung there. And on this sign would be written why they were being punished, the crime for which they had been punished. The sign hanging over the head of Jesus Christ made it clear to all who were there that day 
There'd be no one left out because it was written in all three languages of that day, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Greek was the language of reason. The Greek people were a very intellectual people. They lived in all the luxuries of that day and they understood that this was Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. Then it was written in Latin. It, it was written in Latin and it was the language of rule. It was the Roman government who was ruling over the land in those days. And so all Romans knew exactly who this was. This was Jesus, the King of the Jews. And it was also written in Hebrew, which is the language of religion. It was the Jewish people that God had chosen in the Old Testament to be His people. And now this religious mob has brought Jesus Christ before Pilate and they have demanded that he crucify Jesus. Pilate protests to him. He said, I've, I don't find any reason to crucify this man. He had examined him. He had questioned him, listened to him. And, but yet the, the religious crowd said, I want him crucified. Crucify this man. Again, Pilate says, why? I find no fault in this man at all. He's... He's done nothing wrong. And yet the angered crowd was even greater in their anger. And they cried out with a loud voice, crucify this man. Away with this man. And so Pilate has them to write in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew these words. This is the king of the Jews. The Hebrews nation had said, don't. Don't write it like that. Write it like this, that he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I've written, I have written. This is the king of the Jews. Some who were gathered around the cross that day personally knew Jesus Christ. They had, they had met him. They had been under his, his ministry. The disciples, some of the disciples were there. We know John was there and others that just personally knew the Lord Jesus Christ. There was others who did not know him. They, they did not know who this man Jesus Christ was, but nevertheless, there was that sign proclaiming him to be the king of the Jews. That meant that he was the promised Messiah. That was prophesied that he was coming to the Jewish nation. That meant he was not only the promised Messiah, but that he was the Savior of the world. And whether people believe that or not does not negate the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the only Savior of the world. There's no other way of salvation. There's no other man. There's no other name. There's no other person given whereby anybody can be saved other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. This is Jesus. The King of the Jews. Not only is He the King of the Jews. He is, he is the Son of God. And the Son of God came for a purpose into this life. His destiny is what we just read on in these verses. His destiny was Calvary. That's the reason that he was born. He was born miraculously of a virgin. Just like the scriptures prophesied he would. And here Jesus hangs on the cross of Calvary. His destiny. The reason that he was born into this world was to die for the sins 
of every individual. He left none out that day. He died for the sins of the world. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Word of God says it like this, and we all know this, for God so loved the world, that's all of you, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I remember as a locomotive engineer uh, sitting on the locomotive right by myself with a chick track and reading that chick track and got to the very end and they had a little drawing of Jesus hanging on the cross. And they had that verse, John 3.16, printed up under that little drawing. And it said, for God so loved the world. And in parentheses, they put this, that includes you. And then it said that he gave, he said, and they put in parentheses, that means this is a gift to you. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, parentheses, that includes you. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, parentheses, that means go to hell, but have everlasting life, parentheses, that means go to heaven. I'd read that verse and look at that little drawing of Jesus hanging on that cross and realize that, begin realizing what Jesus actually did for me personally. It was as though I was the only one that he had done that for. He made it that real to my life. And he, he showed me just how much he loved me when he died on Calvary's cross. As Jesus hangs there, he has something he needs to say. There's some things on the heart of Jesus Christ. He's been beaten beyond recognition. If you were to walk up to Calvary that day and look at that middle cross where Jesus hung, you would not even recognize or be able to tell that He was a human being. He had been beaten so badly. The Bible says that His visage was so marred more than any man. I mean, nobody had ever been beaten to this extent that Jesus was beaten that day. And there He hung. He's got something He needs to say. And I want us to listen very closely to Calvary today as Jesus hangs on this cross, hanging there in your place, hanging there on your cross, hanging there dying for your sins. And the very first thing that he is uttered out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want us to consider those words this morning and listen to Calvary and, and listen to this prayer for forgiveness that Jesus is praying. On, up above, there hangs Jesus on the cross. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And he, there he is hanging on the cross. But underneath the cross are some soldiers and they're gambling for his clothing. They're gambling for his raiment. That shows you the difference between God and man. Man is interested in just the, the temporal things of life. And they gamble their way through life. But up above them was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying for them. Dying for their sins. And there they are gambling. 
upon the cross. So many today still gamble with life. They gamble their way through thinking that, well, maybe I'll make it some way. Maybe I can endure to the end. Maybe I can uh, have, have the smile of God upon my life in some way. And maybe I'll make it. I'm, I'm a pretty decent person. It's gambling just like these soldiers did on that day. I want us to think about before we get into this actual prayer for forgiveness, I want us to consider what he's not praying. He is not praying, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Matter of fact, he's the only person that ever lived who never needed to pray that prayer. All of all of the rest of us, we need to pray that prayer. Father, forgive me, forgive me, but not Jesus. He's not praying, Father, forgive me. Another thing that he's not saying, he's not praying, is that, Father, I'm so sorry I got my life in this mess. I'm so sorry that it wound up like this. No, this is, this is God's determinate will that His Son go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. This is the sovereign will of God. Not only the sovereign will of God, it's the submitted will of Jesus Christ. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before his arrest, he was praying and he said that he was praying so intently that his sweat actually became drops of blood on his forebrow. And he was praying, Father, if there be any other way other than the cross, other than me dying, if there be any other way, but then he said this, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he submitted to the cross of Calvary. You know what that means? That means that Jesus willingly, He willingly went to the cross of Calvary for you and me. Oh, we ought to be praising His name, thanking God Almighty that Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross of Calvary. But I want us to consider this, this, this prayer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want us to first consider the testimony of this prayer. If you were to go through, throughout the streets of any city, if you were to go to the congressional halls, if you were to go into the educational systems of our, of our day and ask anybody, ask, ask them all, what is the greatest need of man? If you would ask any person, there would be some that would tell you, well, the greatest need of man is money. I mean, they're arguing about that as we sit here today. Is it the capitalistic way of, of, of governing money or is it the socialistic way? I mean, they're arguing about how we should govern money. And they think that money is the greatest need of man today. Even though money is a good thing to have. That's not the greatest need of man today. I've known people, I've, I've been in homes of people who have had all the money that anybody could ever hope for and still want more. I've seen them live in the homes of luxury and miserable on the inside. Money does not cure a thing for people. It comes and it can go. Money has wings and it, it'll take flight. If you're not careful, money's not the greatest need of man. 
If you ask some others, what is the greatest need of man? Some would tell you, well, education is the greatest need that we have. If we could just educate people, they would do better. Why, we know more today than ever been known. We're living in the what's been called the day of knowledge, the age of knowledge. We can get on an internet, ask Google or either, or either Nathan Dinsmore, and, and we can know anything today. I mean, we live in that, we live in that environment today. We have, we have more books written. We have more, more schools today, more education. They're pumping education at it all the time. But that does not solve man's greatest need. You ask them, say, what is man's greatest need? Some would say money. Some would say education. And some would even say, well, what we need more of, our greatest need is love. Well, the Beatles sang that to us. All we need is love. Da 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 da. All we need. We got, there's some of you sitting here this morning that's been hurt in the name of love. Love is not man's greatest need. I believe with all of my heart, Jesus hanging on the cross of Calvary, and the very first thing that he says. The very first thing out of his mouth, he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe that is man's greatest need of any age, any generation, any society, is the forgiveness of God Almighty. Until that is settled in a man's heart, he is still an empty individual. He's still lost. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus prayed this prayer showing us that that is man's greatest need, the forgiveness of God. The Bible tells us that we have offended God with our sins. All of us have. That's not picking on any person in this room. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good that doeth good and sinneth not. We all are sinners in the sight of God. We've all offended the higher power. We've all offended God Almighty. And He's let us know that we have. And so he sends his son to Calvary. The down Calvary and Jesus Christ looks up into the heavens and calls on the name of the Father. He says, Father, and he gets his ear. Forgive them. And he gets some of their ears. For they know not what they do. The prayer for forgiveness is a testimony of what man's greatest need is. We've offended God and He's let us know about it. And He tells us, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In Acts chapter 13, verse 38 and 39, the Word of God says it like this, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man talking about Jesus has preached unto you the forgiveness of sins and by him all that believe are justified from all things. I don't deserve it, but I stand before you this morning because of the forgiveness of God Almighty in my life. I stand here a justified man, forgiven of all things because of Jesus Christ. The greatest need of any individual 
is God's forgiveness, the testimony of this prayer. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. As he hung on Calvary's cross, he was shedding his blood. I've heard one preacher describe it as like this, said if you were at Calvary that day, if you had walked up there and you had walked all the way around the cross of Jesus Christ and looked up on the front, on the back, on the left side, on the right side, and just stood there and gazed up, you would see nothing but blood. No matter what side you walked around, there'd be nothing but blood flowing from the veins of Jesus Christ. He'd been beaten all over his body. His back had been ripped open by a Roman's whip, a cat of nine tails, they called it. And those Roman soldiers were, they were trained and they were experienced to, to inflict the most pain that they could and rip the skin without actually killing the individual. I was, I've read about it and those Roman soldiers would take that whip and they'd come back and they'd find their mark on the back of the individual and they'd let it linger just a minute and then strip it like that. And on the ends of those whips would be woven pieces of rock and pieces of stone and maybe even bone. And, and it would actually rip open the, the flesh of the one being beaten. And they had beat Jesus Christ beyond recognition. They'd, they'd beaten him. They took a crown of thorns in mockery placed it on his head. And the thorns over there in Israel, they say are thorns at least that long. Every one of them in stout. They're not flimsy. They're not, they're not just little uh, limber things. They're, they're about that long, stout. And they put that crown of thorns on the, on the head of Jesus Christ in mockery and then took a reed and beat that crown down on the top of his head. And drove those thorns down into the top of his head. There was blood flowing all the way around. And all the way around his body. He was shedding his blood. In payment for our sins. He was doing that because he loved us. That was the only way. The only hope that any person has. Is what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. There is no other way. There is no other person. That can do that for anybody except Jesus Christ. And there he hangs. The testimony of this prayer. But I want us to secondly think about the timing of this prayer. The religious leaders of the Jewish nation had plotted for a long time. And trying to catch Jesus doing something wrong. They had plotted and they had planned. They were trying to catch him at his words. Well, maybe if we find him saying something, we'll, we'll get him. We'll, we can get him on what he said. And then they plotted and they thought, well, maybe we can find something that he does. Maybe something that he'll do on the Sabbath. And we'll get him then. And they plotted and they tried their best to find fault with Jesus Christ. And could find nothing wrong with him. They marched into that garden that day in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus Christ had been praying, submitting to the will of God His Father. And they marched into that garden that day and they said, we're looking for Jesus. And one of His disciples by the name of Judas walked up to Jesus and He had given them a sign. 
He said, the one that I kissed, that's him. And Judas walks up there and kisses the Savior on the cheek. The custom of that day was you've seen them do it in the eastern countries. They'll kiss this side and lean over and kiss that side. He, he marked Jesus Christ with a kiss. And Jesus looked at Judas and he said, Betrayest thou me, friend, with a kiss? And then the soldiers knew that that was him. And so they apprehended Jesus and carried him to the, to the high priest's court. And the high priest looked at Jesus and he said, Are you the king of the Jews? And he said, You say it. I am. And he told them plainly that he was. And they accused him. They said, what more have we need of of condemnation than what he's just said? He's not the king of the Jews. Look at this man. And they thought because of his willingness to submit that he was not the king of the Jews. For no king of theirs would ever surrender to be crucified in this sort. They raised up false witnesses against him. They found people willing to lie for money. They found people who were willing to lie for money against Jesus Christ. They said, well, he's guilty of of insurrection. He's guilty of blasphemy. And they lied against the Son of God. And the Bible says that he opened not his mouth and said not a word. He didn't try to come to his defense and say, oh no, 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 you got this. Oh No, he willingly stayed silent and let them carry him to the cross of Calvary. I've said this time and time again. Jesus Christ said, I laid down my life for the sheep. He said, I willingly lay my life down for you. I believe when they got to Calvary's Hill, that day they were only supposed to crucify two, but on this given day, they had to add the third one because of the, the Jewish push to crucify Jesus. I believe it was a little bit chaotic on the hill of Calvary that day. The soldiers were trying to get all three crosses ready and all three men crucified. And I believe in their, in their momentum and I believe in their confusion. I believe they maybe turned their back on Jesus. And when they turned back around, there he was laid out on the cross of Calvary with his hands outstretched ready for them to drive those, those nails into his hands and into his feet to crucify him. They did. They, they drew, drove the nails. They took the spikes and they took the hammers. You could hear the clanking of the metal as they hit spike against, hammer against the spike. And they drove it into the hands and into the feet of Jesus. And he looks at them. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Bible tells us if they had really known who this was, that they would have never done this. The Bible tells us plainly that if the princes of this world had only known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And here he was, 
God manifest in the flesh. He had created every person. He creates. We're not a product of evolution. God created us. We didn't come from monkeys, even though some of us may look that way and act that way. We did not come from monkeys. God created us. There's got to be a God in heaven for all of this to work the way it does. Faithfully every day, every 24 hours, the sun comes up and the sun goes down. And it's as if a creator designed it that way and he did. His name is God. And now here he hangs on the cross of Calvary. And in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ dies for the sins of the world. But before he dies, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Bible tells us that there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus the Lord. What did he do in that prayer? He looked up to heaven, and he's the only one who could have. He was God, God's son. And he looked up into heaven, and he said, Father. And the father said, yes, son. He always listened to what Jesus had to say. Heaven's listening to Calvary. And all he's wanting to do is for men, women, boys and girls to listen to Calvary. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The testimony of this prayer, the timing of this prayer, they had spit in his face. They had, they had mocked him the Roman soldier spit in his face. The, the religious crowd spit in his face. Twice by two different groups, they spit into the face of Jesus Christ. I've never had that happen. I don't know how I would react. I, I get beside myself when I go have to stand in a line at Costco and get mad because I can't get service. And I don't know how I would react if somebody spit in my face. The religious crowd spit in the face of Jesus Christ and they're still spitting in the face of Jesus today. The religious crowd saying, I can get to heaven my own way, God. I don't need your son. And they just formed their own religion and try to get their way. And the other group that spit in his face was the government. And the government is still spitting in his face today. They're saying, God, we don't need your laws. We can create our own. And we can govern ourselves. We believe in separation of you and us. We don't need you. Well, it used to be in a day in America where they had the Ten Commandments posted on inside every school room that there was. But now they've taken all that out, taken it out of the schools, the education, taken it out of the courts, taken it out of where we, where we judge people by. And you see the chaos that we're in today because we've said, God, we don't want your laws today. Spitting in his face. The testimony of this prayer, the timing. But I want us to lastly consider the tenderness of this prayer. Father, forgive them. The ones who had driven the nails through his hands. The ones who had spit in his face. The ones who had beaten his back with a cat of nine tails. 
The ones who had mocked him and laughed at him and said, if you be the Christ, come down off the cross. There's a message in that one statement on the only man who Jesus could not save. And it was himself. Had he saved himself, none of us could have the hope of salvation. But he stayed on the cross <laughs> so that we could be saved. If thou be the Christ, and he looks at all them that had done him so wrong, those that had lied about him, those that had, the religious crowd that paid the money for those to lie, he looked at every one of them, he said, Father, you forgive them, for they know not what they do. The tenderness that's in that prayer. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. I believe that with every fiber of being that I have in me. Jesus Christ is God. Always has been, always will be. He never has lessened himself in his God godness. He's always been God. And that God came into our world to experience our brokenness. We live in a broken world. Everything around us is broken. Our government's broken. Our educational system is broken. Everything that we touch, we break. Have you realized that? I mean, we have the hardest rod of the hot rods, and we'll break it. Amen, Brother Jeff? We can have, we can have the best of the best, and we'll wind up in some way breaking. We live in a world of broken dreams, broken hopes, broken families. Broken friendships, broken, broken marriages, everything we touch, we break. And God brought himself into this world of our brokenness. And he understands what it means to be broken. At the last supper with his disciples, he took some bread and he broke it. And as an example, an illustration of what he was about to suffer on Calvary, he said, take heat, this is my body. Listen to it, which is broken for you. Broken. Jesus Christ knows what it is to live in a broken life. Broken health. Broken, everything's broken. But yet Jesus Christ understands that brokenness. My microphone is messing up on me. I can never, sis, you come on to the piano. I can never preach this message without thinking about what I'm about, this illustration I'm about to tell you. When we still lived in Waycross, <clears throat> I was pastoring the church I'd started there. And the name of it was Bible Baptist Church. And uh, I'd been pastoring it for several years and had the opportunity to go to our youth detention center there in Waycross and preach. I can't remember how, how often I would go. I, I just can't remember whether it was twice a month, once a month, once a week. I, I can't remember. But I remember this particular time that I went. And I went to the the youth detention center and, and honestly this particular day when I 
when I pulled up, I had, that day had been so chaotic. You ever have one of those days that when your feet hit the floor, everything starts happening and it just, the day get, the day swallows you up. And, uh, I, I had one of those days that particular day. I mean, I, I hadn't had time to pray. I hadn't had time to study and prepare, but it was a day for me to go preach to the youth at that detention center. And I'm talking about these youth were, this was their prison. There was some in there, in that detention center that was there, I was told for murder. And they were just living out their sentence at a youthful age until they could be moved into the big house prison. The laws wouldn't allow them of that age to go to prison, so they stayed in this youth detention center. And I got there that day and I drove up into the parking lot and, and I, I pulled up and I found me a parking place. And like I say, I hadn't had time to pray, hadn't had time to study. And I sat out in my car and I said, God, I'm sorry. I, I, di- I didn't mean to let my, my day get that way, but it did. And I'm sorry I hadn't had time to pray, hadn't had time to study. But God, I sure need you to touch me if, if I'm going to be of any benefit to these young people. And so I prayed that little prayer, something like that, and then I got my Bible and I walked inside that youth detention center, had a badge, and they let me in. And I walked in, and where we met was a huge uh, dining hall, huge dining hall. And by the time I got there, they were already bringing, had brought a lot of young people in there and they were all sitting around the tables and they were still uh, funneling kids in there, young people in there. And I walked in and I stood there and I looked. And the only thing that came to my mind was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And God was speaking to my heart and telling me to preach from that text. I took my text once they got all seated and the meeting started. I took my text and I just preached a simple message on Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't remember, but the best I could, the best I can think, there was eight young people that day that bowed their knees and asked Jesus Christ to save them. I mean, they were there from all backgrounds, all manner of life. And uh, so I was so moved. It was such a, a meeting. It was so, it was just God-filled meeting. I mean, every eye was in rapt attention. Every you could tell God was there and uh, the people who worked the office there was a huge plate glass that separated the dining hall and where the people worked in the office the people that were working at the desk got up from behind their desk and was standing at that plate glass looking at what God was doing it was just it captured everybody's heart God was moving well I was so impressed by what God had done 
I told him, I said, now all of you that have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I said, I want you to get in a, in a line and, and just come up to me one by one. I want to write your name down. And I said, that when I write your name down, I said, I promise you, I'm going to carry every one of these names back to our church and we're going to pray for you. And we did. I mean, we did exactly that. I carried all those names back to our church and I named every one of them to our people and we gathered around and had special prayer for all them young people but I'll never forget this day I was standing there and one by one they were coming I was writing their names down this one he had like shoulder length blonde hair and he walked up there and I said son what's your name he said my name's Fire no 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 I'm sorry He said, my name's Sin. I said, Sin? He said, yeah. I said, how do you spell that? He said, S-Y-N. And I wrote the name down. I I thought, that's an odd name. I didn't say that to him, but I thought that Sin, S-Y-N. And he looked at me and tears started flowing down his cheeks. He said, preacher, I'm in here for some bad stuff. He said, I want you to pray for my sister. He said, I've not heard from nor know anything of what she's doing, but would y'all please pray for my sister? I said, I'd be, I'd be honored to pray for her. I said, what's her name? And he said, Fire, F-Y-R-E, Sin and Fire, S-Y-N, F-Y-R-E. I wrote those two names down and I carried them back to our church to pray for them. And uh, when, when we got done with the meeting that day, somebody in our church came up to me and they said, Brother John, I know those kids. And somehow through just associations in life, they knew sin and fire. And then they told me this story. They said their parents are heavy into drugs and said we've known them to lock sin and fire in a closet and and lock them there while they go out and and hunt drugs deal drugs get drugs do drugs and come back and let them out and beat those kids and dare them threaten them to say anything about what they've experienced. Say, so we saw that. And we've, we know that to be true. Then they said this. They said, we found this out as a mockery to God. They named their two kids Sin and Fire. But that was the day Sin got saved. And I, I've often wondered, I wonder what happened to Sin. I wonder what whatever became of his life. I pray that every once in a while I'll think about him in prayer and I'll pray for him. And I pray that his life is still in the Lord and he's still, that it was real. I'll just leave it like that. I pray for that. As we stand across this auditorium, can I ask you this in closing? 
There's Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary. And he had something, he had something in his heart and something he needed to pray. And it was these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How many of you here believe that God the Father will answer the prayer of His Son, Jesus Christ? Say amen. I believe that with all my heart that God the Father heard that prayer and whosoever will also hear and listen to Calvary and hear that prayer who will come and call on His name. The Bible says... If we believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead and call upon His name, what are we calling for? For God to forgive us. For, for Jesus Christ to do exactly what He died for, to forgive us. You see, we've got to realize we're sinners. We're all sinners in the eyes of God. None of us can get to heaven on our own. That's why Jesus died. And if we realize that, we can come to Him and say, Lord, please forgive me. And I promise you this, based on what Jesus said at Calvary, He'll forgive you and give you eternal life that you'll never, never see the flames of hell. I promise you that. While we bow our heads and close our eyes this morning, Church, could we gather around these altars in prayer and ask God to move in this invitation and ask God to help us? Maybe you just want to come and thank Him for what He's already done for you. Would you come, church, and pray with us? Pray that God would help people to understand the simplicity that's in salvation, the simplicity of what Jesus did on Calvary. There may be somebody here this morning say, Preacher, I I know, I know I need to be forgiven. I know that I need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. If If you're here and you're like that, and you need Jesus in your life, would you be willing to come and call on His name? If you would, I'll bow with you and show you from the Bible what you must do to be saved. Having Jesus in your life and being forgiven by God is the greatest thing that's ever happened to any individual. Nothing could ever happen any better or more important than for God to forgive and save your life. If you need to be saved, would you come right now and ask Jesus to save you. He will. He will. He'll save whosoever. Our Father, this morning, we thank You for this time together. Thank You for the time to gather around the cross and listen to what You said. Thank You, Father, for being so, so wonderful, such a loving God that You love us the way You do. I pray for every person that's in this room that, Lord, what, these, what words were spoken, Lord, would, would carry them home and, Lord, we'd all realize what Jesus has actually done for us. 
May we who are saved actually be drawn a little closer to you through this. And may we have more appreciation for what you did for us at Calvary. Father, please bless the remainder of this service and we're thankful for everything that you'll accomplish and do. Lord, we sure do love you. But most of all, we thank you from the depths of our heart for loving us the way you do. You're a good God, Lord, and we're thankful for you being the God that you are. Now, Lord, add your favor to every individual that's here in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We've got something special we need to do right at the close of this service. We've got a couple that we need to baptize. I'm going to ask them to come on forward. And the two candidates for baptism, y'all come on forward. I want to introduce you to these two girls. Come on, girls. This is Lexi and Bailey. Come here. Wait a minute. Come right here. This is Lexi and Bailey, right? Did I get that right? Are you Lexi or Bailey? Bailey. Bailey. I know that. Lexi and Bailey. And they've both been saved and they want to, they want this church to know that they're going to identify their life with Jesus Christ by getting baptized. Do I hear an amen to that? Amen. amen. Uh, Brother Terry's going to lead y'all in a couple of songs while we go back there and get ready. You girls scoot on back there. They're waiting on you. I'm going to go get ready to baptize them. Y'all sing it loud. Sing it loud. Won't be long. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins and unforgive. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and said long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago, the old account was large and growing every day. For I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle and settle long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago, when at the judgment bar, I stand before my king, and he the book will open, he cannot find a thing, then will my heart be glad, while tears of joy will flow, because I had it settled, and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. Oh, sinners, seek 
the Lord, repent of all your sin, for thus he has commanded, if you would enter in, and then if you should live a hundred years below, even there you're not forgetting, you said long ago, long ago, long ago, yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sin away when the old account was settled long ago. Page 150. When I was drifting out in sin, I had no peace, no joy within, but Jesus came and made me glad. She's a sport, I can tell. Are you saved, Lexi? You asked Jesus into your heart. You know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And now you want to be baptized. Upon your public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let's all stand. Roll me out of G, sis. Oh. 